Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Let's pray. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together our faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Um, in, in, this, in this discussion around the kingdom of God, I'd like to be very... Um, you know, when we talk about the kingdom of God, some people have a spooky idea of what the kingdom of God is. And so many times, even as Christians, if we're not properly schooled as to how the kingdom of God is expressed, we have a spooky idea. We have um, an idea that, you know, the kingdom of God is weird. Or it's just this invisible Star Wars kind of, you know, day where, you know, things will just be cataclysmic, you know, um, you know, sword will appear. I mean, we just have very vague imagination of the spirit world. And so that, that informs our approach when we mention the kingdom. But the truth of the matter is that God has not always designed man to function in the spirit without having an expression on the earth. So man is the conduit by which the kingdom of God is expressed on the earth. Now, um, just follow me, you catch what I'm saying. When, G- when the disciples of Jesus ask that um, Jesus teaches them how to pray, what did he pray? Our Father, hmm, who art in heaven, what happened? Hallowed be your name. Come on, have you forgotten the last prayer? The kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. Pay attention to that. You know, when you read the Bible, pay attention to details. Thy kingdom come, not we go. The expression, the design of God has always been that the kingdom of God comes. Thy will be done in earth as it is where? In heaven. So that means that the will of God in heaven needs to be implemented on the earth. So the ground design of God when we talk about the kingdom of God is the fact that he wants a replication of that kingdom on the atrium. See, you have to learn to think like that. You, you cannot afford... To think like an escapist. That, that you mustn't think that way. You know, you know, some people are just waiting. Oh, the problems of this world are too much. Just come, Jesus. Just come. Just, just, just close everything. Let's start again. You know, that's how failures think, right? Yeah. When you've lost the game, lost the game. How many of you play PS? You play FIFA? All right. When they are trashing you 6-0, you say, let's just start again. I didn't select the right team. That's how failures think. We're not failures. We're not victims. We're victors. 
You know, there, there must be a different approach to problems. When you see problems, you say, well, now this is it. This is why God placed me here. This is why God designed me to be here. That's why I carry the kingdom. Praise the name of the Lord. So, so I want to, um, Apostle Francis gave me a few topics to choose from. So I, I, I want to zero on the influence and impact of the kingdom in our endeavors. The influence and the impact of the kingdom in our endeavors. Are you still here? All right. Let's look at that word influence. Influence. What does the word influence mean? It means the capacity, pay attention to that, the capacity to have an effect on the character, development, or behavior of someone or something. The capacity to have what? An effect. What is the effect of the kingdom on our endeavors? And I'm going to make this really practical so you can, you can link up with it. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary says it's the power capacity of causing an effect in indirect or intangible ways. So, the, when we talk about the influence of the kingdom, it can be direct or it can be intangible. But you realize that, I, I like the fact that it talks about it being intangible because you cannot see the kingdom with your eyes, but you can feel the influence of the kingdom. You know, sometimes when we say, especially in this part of the world, when we say someone is influential, what comes into our mind is really money. You know, there is a way that poverty has affected our understanding of scriptures. That is why you need a level of prosperity to be able to come and read the Bible. Because there is a way you are poor, all you are looking for in the Bible is solution. I'm telling you the truth. You are not looking for truth. You say, um, I know it's not correct, but it's working for me. You know, because what you just want is you just want to eat. All right? (laughs) I'll tell you influence. I'll tell you influence. Um, I, I know Nigerian music has very strong influence. Okay? So how many of you have heard of this? A song that they're singing now that is Buga. Have you have you heard of it? I know you have heard of it. Don't worry, Pastor should look this way. How many of you have heard of it? Eh? Right? Eh. You know, don't don't sing it. They will, they, will, they will know you have it. But you, you know that's indirect influence, right? So I'll tell you something. So uh, Tony Amoshon, one of the Toby Amoshon, one of the girls who just won gold medals, right? Now the Nigerian girl who won, broke the world record. There was this short video of her. Um, she was running, you know, and then there was this white guy who was trying to, you know, just catch a selfie with her. And then the white guy was saying, lo, 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 bugao, lo, 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 bugao. And then she was doing that. Right. The music originated from Nigeria. Music is not tangible. You can't feel it. It's intangible. But thousands of miles across... The white man has connected that music with this Nigerian girl. The white man knows the dance step. Are you following? Uh, he knows, do you understand? That's influence. Whether the musician is rich or not is not even the issue. And some of us, even when we dance in church, the lyrics 
are Christian songs, but the dance steps are secular because you've been influenced. So you don't even know when you start doing like this to the Lord. That's influence. So I, I'm, I want to try to show you what influence is. That sometimes we underestimate influence because we feel that if somebody does not have money, he cannot influence. No. The strongest thing that the kingdom of God can do is that through us, it influences people. That means that you can, you know, this church can be in this city and begin to influence the thinking pattern of the city. It has nothing to do with resource. It has something to do with an intangible force. So I, I use that example because I know we can easily relate to it. How many of you remember when Makosa was raining? Eh? You don't remember when Makosa was raining? Oh, yeah. All our music and our beats. I don't know if it, if it has strong, so strong effect in Ghana then, but I know in Nigeria it had very strong effect. Even our praises. Yeah, you're a music person, right? We got to play Makusa. You just hear, bang, 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 bang. And then, waist starts whining. Legs start, you know, bending. And people start cutting. You know, that's Makusa. That's influence. And it originated from Congo. So, that means influence transcends geography. Are you following this? Remember, we're talking about the kingdom. Because sometimes we just feel that, oh, this kingdom. No, no, no. It's, 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 it's very practical. And I'll show you. It says that the number two definition of that is the act or power of producing an effect without apparent exertion of force or direct exercise of command. Pay attention to that. That means you influence people without forcing them it's like for me i'll say uh hey you stand up that's a direct command but you see you don't even need to tell people that are influenced by direct commands sometimes our dress pattern it's influence our hair pattern is influence it's indirect it's it's subtle but you can feel the effect of it. You can feel, you know, the changes. It's like if your child is being influenced by someone else, you might not know who is influencing your child, but you can feel the behavioral change and say, who are you been listening to? Who are you talking to? If your wife is being influenced, your husband is being influenced, so you begin to see character change. That means influence is so powerful that it produces change without direct command. And that is why if we want to become an influential church, we must trust the Lord for strategies, wisdom to impact our community without even saying a lot of things. Come on, are you still here? The kingdom is the rule and the reign of God. We must renew our mind about the holistic nature of the kingdom of God and its influence on the earth. You see, the kingdom of God is holistic. When we mean it's holistic, we mean that it covers every aspect of life. The kingdom of God is not just your spiritual life. The kingdom of God transcends our meeting on Sundays alone. It gets into your weekdays. In fact, you have been 
translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the light of God. You, you must, you must understand that. You know, most Christians are waiting for the rapture to be relevant. And I ask them, sometimes I ask people, so what will you do in heaven? What good are you in heaven? Because no one will be sick. No one will need soul winning. No one will need good dressing. Do you understand? So that means that if the Lord is leaving us here on earth, it means that God trusts us. It's because he trusts you that you're still here. Are you following what I'm saying? In Daniel chapter 4 verse 17, if you, if you have the New American Standard Bible, you can use that. That's what I use most times. But if not, you can put up whatever you have. Daniel chapter 4 and verse 17. Daniel four seventeen. Many times we have not understood very clearly the purpose of the church. And why we haven't understood the purpose of the church is because uh, many times we are driven to the church by personal problems. So we say, oh, praise the Lord, please come to our church. Um, if you are not married, a pastor has grace, you'll be married. And so if you are, if you are poor... You know, so many times when we come to the church, we actually do not come as soldiers and people who need to be equipped to go out there and, and impact. Rather, we come into the church with a victim mindset, right? That we need help. Then we constantly hear messages where we need help. So the messages you hear a lot of time, you just feel that there's more. There's more help you need, you know. So you are coming. Allah, I see your destiny helper will find you, you know. So we are always needing something. You you are not told that you are the destiny helper. You are always told that somebody else will help you. So all of us are waiting for that one person. I'm waiting for the destiny. Even the pastor will say, even me that I'm praying, I'm not left out. I also need a destiny helper. Okay, so the pastor needs a destiny helper. Members need destiny helper. Who is this destiny helper? He's somewhere also praying. Do you understand? Because we approach Christianity with a victim mindset. The greatest help you need is the Holy Ghost. And you see, when people have this concept, they begin to manipulate and to scheme. You see, sometimes the greatest people that would help you might not be the people you think will help you. Are you following that? So the believer must be trained not to think that way. Is a mind renewal takes education, not entertainment. And so our churches must be redesigned as centers of education. That's the way we must approach church service. And that's why he's saying people are very active when they are singing and they are passive when the teaching is going on. Although people will say, we are entering the most important part of the service. How many of you are ready? How many of you are ready? But you could see from the people's approach to the world that they are not ready. But you know, if you now bring someone that says, you know what? I see that visa is given to you. You see, you see people become alert. 
Yeah? I see you riding your car. I say this year will not end until your story changes. You know, people like that. You know, they, you just feel something is wrong with your story. It has to be rewritten. Are you following? Now, I'm not saying those things are bad. You hope you get what I'm trying to say. Those prophetic words propel us, but if we think differently about who we are, our approach to church will be different. Because you see, what this world needs is no more victims. This world is in a mess. It's in a mess. Listen, governance, governance at all levels is broken down. Are you following that? Governance at all levels is broken down. Leadership at all levels. Home, divorce rate, things are in a mess. Praise God. Things are in a mess. So we don't need people who need more help. But you know, when the kingdom of God impacts you, even though you are the least among your father's house, you can become the savior of the world. Hallelujah. All right, let's read Daniel chapter 4, verse 17. Daniel 4, 17. This sentence, thank you. This sentence is by the decree of the angelic watchers. And the decision is a command of the holy ones. In order that the living may know that the most high, look at this, is ruler over the realm of mankind. And he grants it to whoever he wishes and sets over it the lowest of people. Look at that. It means that it says something is going to happen on the earth realm. And it's by the decree of the watchers. And it's because God wants people to know that he rules in the affairs of men. And that even the lowest of people can be set above the kingdom. The kingdom. Now, we're, we're looking at the life of Daniel. We want to pick the life of Daniel. And see how Daniel moved from becoming a slave to impacting Babylon. You know, when we read these things, they are, they are nice stories. Ah, a very beautiful story. But have you ever thought of it? That a slave gets into a nation, is selected... And by reason of certain choices, he grows up to the point where he becomes influential. Three regimes of kings were served by Daniel. Three presidents passed. And these young men who came into that nation as a slave. In fact, at a point, they said about him that the spirit of the gods dwell in him. The spirit of the gods. You know, sometimes we say we are in a better covenant, but we haven't expressed the fullness of that covenant. You know, sometimes I feel ashamed when I hear believers talk. Very helpless in their speech. Very helpless. You know, we, we so rate ourselves by the things of this world that once you don't have one or two things, you all just you just feel that your life is useless. And that's why it's that approach we take into marriage that make people become less functional when they are married because the whole goal of their life has been achieved. 
Oh Lord, I cannot wait for you to bring somebody into my life. Oh, bring somebody. The somebody now comes and both of you shut down. For the rest of your life, you go into the circle. You give birth, have children, waiting for when you will die. And you know your motivation is death. Get married early so that before you die, you would have carried your children. Build a house in the village so that when you die, they can go and bury you there. Live well so that when you die, people can come to your funeral. Your motivation is not life. It's death. It says, God rules in the affairs of men. But how does he do it? He does it through men. So, if we're talking about the kingdom of God on our endeavors, we've got to position ourselves so that God can govern the earth through us. Praise the name of the Lord. Are you still here? Don't shut your brain down. Have an active spirit and have an active mind. You know, most of those secular people we admire, I don't admire secular people, but most of the secular people people admire, they don't, they don't really care about God. So you know what they do? They tax their mind. They tax their mind. And they produce. And here, we love God and we close our minds. So you ask a Christian, for instance, to sew a shirt for you. He has taken your measurement, but the shirt looks like your wife's blouse. <laughs> so the shirt needs to be described to you. They, they are explaining the shirt to you that actually this is a shirt. And you, do you understand? He still feels that God is obligated to prospering him in that stupid way of living. He, he feels that God still owes him favor. And you know, when we teach favor, we teach favor in a very skewed manner that looks like favor is something that, you know, it's like God just sitting on the throne and say, who, who are we going to show favor to today? You. Come. Do you understand? And then that person enjoys favor. And then all of us are waiting. It can be your turn tomorrow. It can be your turn. And they will just feel that God just wakes up and you'll say, ah, yeah, okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. Who is this? No. If you see everyone that God showed favor in the scripture, there was a level of diligence. Even to Mary, if she wasn't a virgin, she wouldn't have had favor. The prophecy must work in the life of a virgin. A virgin shall give birth. Not a girl. Do you understand? So there, there was that conscious aspect of keeping herself. And then it gives condition for that prophecy to at least say, okay, these are the people that it can be fulfilled through. Joseph wasn't lazy. Jacob wasn't lazy. Abraham wasn't lazy. Abraham had 318 people working for him. Try employing one staff. None of the fathers of faith Lived a lazy life. Even Jephthah, one of my favorite people in the scripture, even Jephthah, they drove him from his father's house and said, you know what? You're the son of a harlot. The guy didn't bother. Went, developed himself, built capacity. When Israel was in problem, they came to look for him. 
And he says, see, if I go back, will I be your guys' leaders? He said, be our leader. He was driven out as the son of a harlot. He returned as a national consultant. Are you following what I'm saying? You see, let's not... It's one life you have. Stop living like you are going to be functional at death. When we talk about the kingdom of God, it's not a spooky thing. It's not some weird thing. It's a tangible reality that we can use to cause changes on the earth. And that is how we should embrace the kingdom of God. Psalm 103 verse 13 says, The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. What I want to really make you understand this morning as we progress is that the rulership of God's kingdom is going to be through you. Because the kingdom of God is in you. Luke chapter 14 says, we ask him, when will the kingdom of God come? He says, you will not see it with your optical eyes. You will not see, say, here it is or there it is. He says, but the kingdom of God is within you. And Paul defines that for us in Romans 14, 17. Kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. You've got this component in your spirit. And these are components. Listen, everything the world needs is, is locked in that. The world needs righteousness. The world needs peace. The world needs joy. But how will this thing find expression? Revelation 11 verse 15 says, Then, then the seven angel, we understand, Seven means perfection. The seven angels sounded and there were loud voices in heaven saying, the kingdom of the world, when revelation, yeah, has what? Have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign. The kingdom of the world. This is the ultimate aim of God. That the kingdom of the world become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ. How will this happen through his sons? You know, and I hope you understand my heart, right? <laughs> Some of us don't understand how God works. And let me tell you how we, sh- we would have worked if Adam, if we were the ones that created Adam and Adam fell. Hmm? How many of you know how you would have done? Eh? We have just killed Adam. And they will say, let's start all over. I mean, the experiment has not gone far. How many of you think that's, how many of you think the way I'm thinking? I mean, that's what I would have done. Why stress myself? It's just two of you. Nobody will know. I'll just dig the ground, bury two of you and start create another man again. Do you understand what I'm saying? But you see, that's not how God works. God works process. So we also have that feeling that how will the kingdom of, of, of this world become the kingdom of our Lord? We just have that mindset that one day God will just scatter everything, bam, fire, pew, blah, say, where are you? Okay, you've made the rapture, but you guys have gone to hell, oh, yeah, uh-huh, new world and new earth. Ah, finally, I've dealt with these Ghana people and God will just breathe. No. When he wanted to redeem man, how did he come? He came through Mary. Went to the temple. Did carpentry. Do you understand? Do you realize your savior was a carpenter? That means at a time in Jesus' life, all he was about was measuring shares, building pulpits for, for, for synagogue people. 
And, I mean, that was him. Because that's how the kingdom works. The kingdom is part of our daily expression. I'll give you a scripture that most men don't like. But do you realize? Can I step down? Alright. Do you realize? The scripture says that you should dwell with your wife according to knowledge. And that if you don't dwell with your wife according to knowledge, your prayers will not be answered. That's, that's big. That the key to your prayers being answered is the woman you paid a bride price. That's my version. That's big. And if you are not married, the Lord also gives you another one. He says, if you bring your gift to the altar and you realize that you have an offense against your brother, what did he say do? He says, leave your gift and go. Do you know what God is trying to tell us? That your prayer is answered based on how you do relationship management. That most people are where they are, not because God cannot answer, but they have bad relational skills. So what God is trying to show us from those two verses of scripture is that answered prayer and relational management is what births destiny. What that means is that if you are a prayer warrior, but you've got a bad attitude, you will not see the manifestation of answers. Do you see how God connects that? He connects heaven's prayers to earth's living. But you know what? We train people to pray for hours, but they are very rude. In fact, some people come from the secret place with arrogance. I've, I've spent seven hours with the master. Are you mad? <laughs> you know, you, said you spend seven hours in religion. Because if you spend seven hours with Jesus, he will work, he will work on your tongue. Are you following what I'm trying to say? So, I, I, I really want to just help you understand that this thing we talk about manifestation of the kingdom is not some weird explosion. It's about taking the principles of the kingdom and leading them out daily and then we begin to influence people in ways that we cannot even tell. Are you still here? So, he says the, the kingdom of the world. So, there is a kingdom of the world. <clears throat> But look at that word, become, thank you, uh, my brother, First Peter 3, 7. That's, that's the scripture about husbands and wives, all right? We'll become the kingdom of our Lord. Now, become is a process, right? So there's a kingdom of the world. Now, God's agenda is that the kingdom of the world becomes the kingdom of Christ. How would that process happen? It's going to happen through his sons. In those days... It is a concept of the ecclesia. I'm sure pastor would have taught you guys that on that. It is a concept of the ecclesia. In those days when uh, the Romans or when any civilization captures another civilization, they would send their ambassadors, their representatives to that nation that was captured. That's the concept of the ecclesia. That's the concept of the church. And the concept is for them to colonize. That is the concept... Of course, British colony. That's why we are all wearing um, our English wares. We speak English. Even if we are not hearing ourselves, you know, we still just go ahead with it. You understand what I'm saying? Because what happened is when the British colonized us, they sent their representative and they began to teach us English. They began to teach us their language. They began to teach us their culture. Because that is how, for instance, before independence, 
Ghana becomes a British colony by the influence of the ambassadors. But listen to what they do. They don't just come and just have a spooky um, design. They don't wish it to happen. They infiltrate culture. So they start teaching you how to dress. And say, if you go to school, talking, wear shorts. You understand? You now start dressing like colonial master. Say, pronounce English. This is how you eat. Hold your fake here. Hold your spoon here. This is how a gentleman works. What's happening? They, they infuse that knowledge into your daily life because they know that if you keep living like that every day, you would lose your original identity and, and become, and that's why we all preach in English. Are you following what I'm saying? Because if they haven't influenced us, I would not be speaking English. So even though the Queen of England was in England, she had direct influence in, uh, on, the, on the colonies, all right, through the ambassadors. So what happens is that the kingdom of this world becomes the kingdom of our Lord because God trusts that the church will get it right. That's the task. Are you still here? All right. So, how does this happen? <laughs> Quite interesting. I don't want to go to the spiritual aspect, all right? I'll talk about that later tonight at the conference, the kingdom conference. But I want to look at a very simple aspect that we all can relate with. You know one of the ways this can happen? Through our work. Because that's what we're talking about today, right? How? The influence and impact of the kingdom in our endeavors. Okay? Through our work. Through our work. We're going to go back to Daniel. Through our work. I know you will say work. But it is work. It is not work. It is work. (laughs) Through our work. Work was designed by God to express the kingdom. A poverty mindset makes you see work as a curse. But Adam was not cursed when he was working. In fact, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 2. Genesis 2, 2. Thank you, my brother. And on the seventh day, God ended his word. Work. Say work. Don't say work. Next Sunday, you can say work. Let me influence you. Say work. Better say that. that. That makes me feel like I'm in a Nigerian church. All right. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had made. What was this work? Creation. This work was sun, stars, moon, right? The firmament, galaxies, the garden. Of course, there's a spiritual interpretation to this, but I mean, God created the earth. So you can see that, and and one of the things um, Paul said in the book of Romans is that through the invisible creations, he revealed himself so that man is not without excuse. That means if God had not preached any sermon through creation, you can know that there's a God. He can influence your thought pattern. I fly quite a lot. And, you know, the first day I flew, maybe 30 something thousand 
feet above sea level. When I saw the clouds, I said, how can somebody be an atheist? How? Where did you get that boldness from? I mean, you look at the formation of the clouds and you're like, God, how, how did you ever think of this God? Have you gone to some natural reserve and see the arrangement of flowers? Have you seen how beautiful the sun sets? I know some of you have so many problems, you don't even care whether the sun is setting. But have you ever taken time to look at how the sun sets? How beautiful it is? Have you just sat by the beach and the sea and just see how the... And you see that, you know, sometimes you see those things and just say, Wow, God is great, that influence. But what I want you to see is that the first revelation of God to us is a revelation of a God who works and who makes stuff. It wasn't a revelation of a God just flapping his wings and just like, whoa, I'm God. Whoa, I'm God. Whoa, I'm God. Worship me, creation. No. God doesn't introduce himself to us as a deity that is caught up in a supernatural expression. In fact, God doesn't reveal himself to us as a miracle-walking God. He reveals himself to us as a God who gets involved in creation. An orderly creation. The fish, the water, the trees. Are you following this? That's how God reveals himself to us. The first expression of God that man sees on the earth is a God who makes stuff. And I'll show you another scripture in the New Testament and I will go to Daniel. No, first, 2.15 my brother. Genesis 2.15. So, man is created. Now, you remember 2.15. And the Lord took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Can we use the New American Standard Bible? To cultivate it. Because when you see the word dress it, you, you might not understand it. But it means to do what? To cultivate it and to do what? To tend it. Some translation says to take care of it. So, the first, listen carefully, 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 carefully. The first assignment God gave to man on the earth was to be a gardener. It wasn't a curse. Take your hoe, take your shovel. Of course, there were no hoes and shovels then, but however Adam wanted to do it, if it was with his fingers, his first assignment was look after the garden. Look after the garden. Give expression to your creativity by work. That's why he brought all the animals to him to name. And in fact, to cultivate and attend it. Thank you. And then, he now said it's not good for a man to be alone. That's why I don't understand people who don't have work. And they have girlfriends. It's a burden. That's why you're not thinking straight. Hmm? Because now you're going and the girl calls you. Where are you? And then you don't answer well. They say, please don't call me again. Don't call me again. I don't like the way you're behaving. The time you should use to not think of creative solutions, you're thinking of how to say sorry. It's a burden. 
Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Have you eaten? No, I've not eaten. Why have you not eaten? Oh, I'm not happy. Please eat. Eat for us. Ah, are you joking? Are you joking? Huh? And after two years, say, oh, we, we are not compatible. Then your heart is divided into four. You start, you start that punishment again. Huh? You are here writing final exams. You now get a text. It is over between us. Please don't call this number. And you fail. You forgot all you read. Look at it. Do, two things you should do before you think of a woman. Find a garden to cultivate and to tend. Because when you bring a lady into your life, it should help you in what you're tending. And that's why you see most times, you know, our relationships stay long. Because we are actually not ready to get married. And we feel very lonely. And by the time the person comes, you now realize that, okay, the person is here now, so what next? And that's why if you don't have a purpose for your marriage, it, your marriage now becomes a burden. You will not begin to... You, have you said people say, we are working on our marriage? We are working on it. It's not supposed to be something you're working on. It's supposed to be something that should be working on something. Are you following? Come on, are you, are you understanding what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, when the woman came, that's when they drove Adam out. It's a blessing to get married. But if you don't handle it well, it becomes a challenge. And then they drove him out because he was discussing with Satan. <laughs> if it was only Adam, he would have just been tending his, you know, I mean, guys don't have time for a lot of this. That's why when you go to salons, be careful. <laughs> okay, that was a joke. But do you understand what I'm trying to say? Right? So, how's the approach to God? To man? Walk the garden. Let me show you something in the New Testament and then we'll come to Daniel. Are you learning something this morning? In Ephesians 4.28, something interesting happened. Then Paul said something very interesting. Ephesians 4.28, which is, which is amazing. He says, let him that stole. Remember, I was writing to believers. <laughs> so there were some believers who were stealing. <laughs> this is was it not later to the Ephesian church it was right to the Ephesian church so it's not today that you find believers who are stealing <laughs> let him who steals steal no longer but rather let him labor now the expression of repentance from sealing will reflect in your work. That means by nature, if you are walking according to the dictates of God, stealing will not be your thought pattern. Work will be. Are you following this now? So the average believer, and when we talk about stealing, don't just look at thieves. Stealing actually, in my own definition, it's, 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 it's trying to get something you haven't labored for. That's what it means. You know, I buy my phone, you take it. Right? And you didn't labor to buy it. And have you found out that thieves don't always sell things at a good price? Because they don't know the price. 
I'm telling you, a thief might steal your iPad that he has no idea. He sells it for maybe a hundred Ghana just to get something. And that's all. So, stealing here is not having value. It's not understanding the value of things. Some of us want to make destiny at a cut short price. It's stealing. Hmm? After years of labor, somebody now puts 30 Ghana's cities in his envelope and says he wants to tap grace. All this grace for 30. <laughs> Do you even realize the scripture doesn't say you should give money to every preacher? It says give money to the one who teaches you the word. Why? Because money must always be an exchange for value. Galatians 6.6 6. Then it says those who labor work in doctrine are counted worthy of double honor. Can you see that when people minister to you as a preacher, it's not just because you're a preacher. It's because you are working by laboring and teaching the word. Can you see that? So, if a preacher wants to walk in increased wealth, they must walk in increased labor. And you know, if we teach our people this way, they will know which preacher to honor and who not to honor. Have you seen preachers just come and not say anything and collect a lot of money? It's because our people are not well taught. It's just say someone say, I say January you will make it. In February you will make it. In March you will make it. In April you will make it. June will not pass you by. July will not pass you by. Um, uh, August. I say this August and then he counts all the months of the year. He could have just said this year will be blessed, but it will take, it will take, the time will be, so he says all that. Hmm? Then he enters noisy rhyme. I said, you will, if you fire to perspire, you require to acquire. Say, wow, that's deep. Then he says, the anointing is hot. Don't miss it. 100 Ghana cities here. You just met a salesman. You haven't met a preacher. You haven't met a teacher of the word. Now, if we teach, I'm not saying you can't do those stuff, but if you teach your people rightly, they will learn where their seeds needs to go. That the man who needs honor is the man who is laboring in doctrine and the word. Because they are not coming with a victim mindset. They are coming with a mindset of a victor that needs to be trained on how to have dominion. Are you still here? So he says, if you're stealing, let's go back to Ephesians. He let him that stole, steal no more. But rather let him labor, walking with his hands the thing which is good, that he may give to him that need it. So by walking, can you, can you see what Paul is doing there? He's addressing the mindset of the one who steals. And say, listen, you don't need to steal. Rather, you should think of working so you can give. Can you see that? That means that your Christianity will be a reflection of your work. And the purpose of that work is not just so you can have something. Don't even think about having something. Rather think of having to be a blessing. So what Paul was saying there was just absolute mind renewal. Was absolute mind renewal. Are you still here? Now, let's go to Daniel. 
Daniel chapter, I want to pick it from the, from the New Living Translation. Where it says, the administrators and high officers began searching for some faults to rope Daniel in. And what happened? You could see the increase in Daniel's life. Daniel chapter 6. Verse 4. Daniel 6, 4. Then this Daniel was preferred above the president and princes because an excellent spirit was in him. Now, this excellent spirit in the Old Testament is the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Now, pay attention. This is very critical. Daniel was not working in a Christian kingdom. He was working in a kingdom that deals with magicians. I want to bring this home now. Follow me in the next few minutes. The king thought, I'm I'm going to set this guy. Remember, Daniel's co-workers were magicians. And that's why I don't buy the theology where people say, there are a lot of witches in this compound you need to pack out so you can fulfill your destiny. That's where you should stay. So when you pack out, who will go there? You know, we've, we've raised the church that is afraid of the devil. It is bad. People actually think that they can be poisoned. You can even go to Christian events and share food and people will refuse to eat. It's too much of watching movies. The scripture says you shall take any deadly thing and it shall not hurt you. Do you know who you are? Never afraid. Never afraid. You poison my child. You are not born again. You cannot. You know my son is 14. He's taller than me. Yeah, you give birth to giants. One day I had a dream and my son was dead. Had a dream. My son was dead. Guess what I did when I woke up? I went to sleep again. You know, because you pray about things that has the possibility of coming to pass. God has spoken to me about his life. It's not even a prayer point. I didn't pray about it. In fact, my wife heard when I was talking about it when I was preaching like this. See, but is it not a serious matter? No, it's not a matter. So it can't be serious. (laughs) That my son dies? It's not possible. It's not like we are praying it should not happen. No, if I'm praying that something should not happen, that means there's a possibility of it happening. This one is zero possibility. Because I have a template for his life. It's like you go to school and they say, these are people that failed. And these are people that passed. Then you now say, let me check from those that failed. Do you understand? Say, let me just check. I don't know in case my name is here. No, no, no. If you know yourself, when you come and they say, where are the names of those who passed and failed? They say, oh, you say, oh, let's check here. This is where you should be checking. Why are you checking failure? You don't know in this life, anything can happen. What? Anything can happen in this life? No. No man takes this life except I lay it down. Anything cannot happen. The realm of the spirit is precise. The realm of the spirit is coordinated. There is no mistake in the realm of the spirit. Anything can happen. You can't tell. I can tell. Maybe you cannot, but I can. That's why we are not the same. How do you live your life on guesswork? 
you know, that is an appointment. You don't know when that appointment will come. You can cancel appointments. If they set an appointment for you, you can say, I'm not coming. Let's leave that. You know, this fear of the devil needs to run out of the church. The scripture says, he defeated Satan and made an open show of them. Public disgrace of Satan. And we exalt him in our churches. See how long deliverance takes us. One demon who hold the whole church hostage. <laughs> hey, how many are you? We are seven. When did you enter? We entered in 1972. Do I know you before? No. Okay, come out. No, I'm not coming out. And then all shells are running. You know, they are holding a skirt. Shares are being scattered. The prayer warriors are praying. Every, I mean, disorganization. Every, you know, sometimes I wonder, God will just look and say, who gave birth to these children? <laughs> just disorganized. Listening to Satan. That means you, you, you are there as the HRO specialist conducting interview for Satan. Cast out that demon and get, get on with your job. Are you still here? You know, sometimes those things are powerlessness. I'll, I'll give you two examples just to stretch your mind. Give you something to think about. Paul went to the island of Malta and a venomous serpent beat him. I know some of you are afraid of cockroaches. Are you afraid of cockroaches? No. Are you? Are you sure? Okay. But lizard. You're afraid of mice. Rats. Oh. <laughs> That means you would not have been able to stay with Adam. Alright, so venomous serpents beat him. And the scripture says the people were watching for him to die. They knew. And what did Paul do? Shook it into the fire. He didn't pray. No prayer. No first aid. And he felt no harm. Snake. That is the same Paul you want to go to heaven with. Then when you now ask him why you died, he says malaria. Paul will now say, what causes malaria? He says mosquitoes. Paul will say, what? <laughs> I say, I say, yeah, my friend, get out. Go to, that. Go to the boys quarter. <laughs> Are you joking? No, this is scripture. You know what happened? They fell down and began to worship him. They, 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 they couldn't handle it. These men walked with the reality of a higher world. This is the Christianity. See, how big they look when you should have swollen or followed out dead. Suddenly, after they had looked a great while, they saw no harm came to him. And they changed their minds and said that he was a God. He influenced them without preaching. The same disease that kills people cannot take us. That's how we're going to change the world. We are spirit being. You see, we must rise in this consciousness. There are some prayer points we must not pray in our churches because we know that, listen, that it cannot happen. It, there's zero possibility of it happening. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, there was a, my, myself and my wife, we used to talk about this funny story about a guy who was trying to describe someone who was poor. So he was using someone as an example. He said, no, don't use me as an example. He said, no, this is just an example. He said, no, even in your example. <laughs> Even in your example, don't say I'm poor. Do you understand? Even in the example, there are certain things that whether they are serious, whether they are examples, I'm not on that list. Don't use me. Even if you are, no, no, no. Even if you are sick, no. 
Glory to God. All right, let's go to Daniel and see how we can wrap this up. Daniel 6. Are you still here? All right. Verse 4. Then the commissioners and satraps began trying to find a ground of accusation against Daniel in regard to government affairs. Hmm. But they could find no ground. They looked, leave the New Living Nation, they could not find anything to criticize or condemn. See, they were looking for a fourth. It's not, you know, people say, eh, my enemies, they are looking for, it's not today they started looking for fault. But you, re, you will see something I'm going to show you now. They were not Daniel's prayer points. Your enemies should not be your prayer points. He was faithful. Always responsible and completely trustworthy. I want to, I want to zero in on that. Three things. Let's go to the New American Standard Bible. They could find no ground of accusation or evidence of corruption inasmuch as he was faithful and no negligence or corruption was to be found in him. Three things. He was not corrupt. He was diligent. He was faithful. How do you approach your work? How do you approach? If we go to your office now, can we find fault with you? And you know what? It was the way he was living that made the king thought to set him over the realm. And you know, because of the way the king set Daniel, Daniel later was able to change them to worship God. These three things. Are you faithful at your work? We're not talking about faithfulness in church now. At your, you are employed as a sales girl. You resume by 9.30. Your terms of reference is 8 o'clock. Why are you waking up late? And you say, oh, we are in the kingdom. We are not in the kingdom. We are outside. You see, let me tell you something. Hold yourself to kingdom standards. Go to work early. You see, I, I started teaching this in our church. For a long time, and I've I've got two people in my church who's won awards in their place of work. In fact, my um, a lecturer in the university in a in, in, in polytechnic in our city came to our church, and we're asking how did you come, and he said it was because so um, my secretary she, she attends the the, the, the school. And say, when I saw her attitude and some of the decisions she made, I said, let me trace the church where this girl is attending. Influence without command. You want to change the world. You won't leave sisters alone. We don't know who you're going out with. We don't know. Do you understand? Oh, it's nothing. We're just friends. It's nothing. We're just friends. It's nothing. We're just friends. You go to your place of work late, negligent. You don't pay attention to duties. Every work you do has to be re-supervised. Because there will always be a mistake. In fact, if you do something without mistake, people will feel it's not you. They will start asking, who helped you? Now, see, these are not things we should laugh about. Make up your mind that no negligence will be found when you go to work. 
Even when others are misbehaving, don't. Resume early. Work hard. You say, oh, but they are not paying me enough. No, no. We don't work for the pay. We work because it's a way by which we express the kingdom of God. And I'll tell you, God will begin to reward you in ways you never thought of. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You see, that is the pathway to entering the world. This was the pathway by which Daniel was able to penetrate the kingdom of Babylon. And I can show you a lot of examples. Come on, are you still here? Joseph. How did Joseph, let's just write it down because of our time. Genesis 39, 19 to 21. How did Joseph penetrate Potiphar's house and penetrated the prison? You know what I love? Joseph got into prison and what happened? All the prisoners were handed over to his care. And we say it's favor. Yes. But do you imagine prisoners being given to you? Have you ever dealt with prisoners before? My brother, if you don't have, you know those people don't care. In fact, it's because they don't care. That's why they're in prison. You understand? They have to be talked to in the right way. They have to be. And imagine a fellow prisoner being made the head of the prisons. It wasn't just the favor of God. It was his approach to work. The warden would have imagined and say, hey, this prisoner is different. And you can tell his people skills. When he met the, the guy, he said, hey, you're looking sad today. That's people skills. Some of you walk past sad people and don't know. So, was he sad? I thought that was how his face is. <laughs> Could, can you walk into your office and realize that one of your staff is not looking bright? And as a kingdom citizen, take out time to just engage. Hey, how are you? What, what's going on? Or you just go, everybody have their problem. As our face is different. That is how our problem is different. When she's ready to talk, you know, when she's ready to talk, she will talk. No. No. Because if he hadn't interpreted that dream, there would have no pinpoint of reference. Are you following what I'm saying? It was the interpretation. You know, people, and I hope you get this message. People feel the interpretation of dreams is the gift that took him there. God's responsibility is giving you that gift. Playing it out on the earth is your relationship. Because you won't just, I mean, how many of you tell your dreams to strangers? You don't. It's because um, Joseph found something and said, hey, what's going on? What's going on? And that is what created what? The room. So if Joseph had not done that, he would have died in the prison with his gift. God will give you gift. Your work is how you get to the throne. How did David, I can show you, plethora of scriptures. How did David get to the throne? Look for me a man who can play the harp. And what happened? After the anointing, he went back to the bush. Because it's not the anointing that takes you to the throne. The anointing confirms that you are the man for the throne. Your skill is what takes you to the throne. Your skill. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know what I want you guys to do today after today? Go and fine-tune your skill. Go and fine-tune your skill. Be the best at what you do. Let no corruption be found in you. Keep your record straight. Keep your office tidied. Be relational. Engage people. Engage people. Be trustworthy. If they are looking for a cause to fault you, 
may they not find it. Set those standards for yourself. Wake up early. Dress well to walk. Dress like somebody that has a future. Then you know some of you keep all your clothes for Sunday service. And this is the one place where you really don't look at your clothes. That is the truth. You know, a lot of people feel like, I mean, dress well to church. I'm not saying you shouldn't dress well. But to be honest, you will not likely drive anybody home because they didn't dress well. All those clothes you are saving in your box. Go and open that box. Use them. They are yours. Let me reintroduce your clothes to you. Dress well to the office. Do you understand? Don't dress well to weddings. Dress well to funerals. Dress well to work, to church. And Monday to Friday, you are looking like who needs help. Your boss wants to go out. He would have loved to take you, but you are looking like a beggar. So you say, "Oh, oh, I say, okay, no, 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 don't worry. I'll, I'll come back." And meanwhile, if you had followed him, you would have met someone. Are you following this? That can change the course of your life. Why don't you take your life serious? For some of you, smell well. Let's not go further. But but try your best. Try your best. Don't enter a room and influence it negatively. It's part of kingdom. Don't say, behold, I'm here. And then people will fall down. No, no, no. No, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Do you realize when Joseph was called to meet Pharaoh, he shaved his beards and changed his garments. He was ready for the future. He didn't go to, to, to Pharaoh with tongues. He went with excellence. Praise the name of the Lord. And then Daniel also began to pray. These two combinations will set us to transform our world. He had a prayer culture three times a day. He opened his windows to Jerusalem. And remember something, I want to say this. He did not pray about his personal problems. He prayed about the prophetic purpose of God. When we have believers who are excellent in their workplace... And believers who are intercessors of the prophetic purpose of God. God will begin to hand the nations to us. We're not just praying about cars. We are praying about the redemptive purpose of God in the nations of the earth. We are saying, God, let your kingdom come. Lord, let your kingdom invade the youth. Lord, let your kingdom invade the nations. Lord, let your kingdom invade this region. Let it invade teenagers. And meanwhile, in our work, we're doing excellently well. I read the story of a, of a lady who was interceding for, secret, for high school students and was praying. I said, God, use them to change the world. And out of our prayers, Judge Weaver, the founder of Operation Mobilization, was born and was birthed. And Operation Mobilization has sent missionaries all over the world. What a, what a praying woman. Some of us are so engrossed in our work, we don't even have time to pray. Hmm? We just pray, Hail Maria. Father, we want to thank you. Thank you for today. I've woken up. I know you are a good God. You know, God, I don't have time to pray, but you know everything is in my mind. Even because you are God, what will I tell you that you don't know? You know everything already. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. And, and that's your prayer life. And you want God to invest the kingdom in your hands? No. 
Two more scriptures and then we pray. Philippians chapter 2. Let me give you a New Testament correlation. Come on, is somebody blessed this morning? Philippians 2.14. Do all things without murmuring and disputing, without grumbling. How many things? This is kingdom. Don't grumble. Your boss sent you on an errand, you grumble. They give you work, you grumble. You know, people want to earn salaries with less work. Come on, are you getting blessed? Don't grumble. If you give birth to many children and they are now scattering the living room, don't grumble. Don't grumble. Are you following what I'm saying? You see, learn, learn it. Don't grumble about things. This is scripture. You know, the world will call it a positive mental attitude. That's what, that's what motivational speakers will call it. Don't grumble about things. Don't grumble. Do things without grumbling. Go to work on Monday without grumbling. You know, some people know it's rainy season. They will still grumble about the rains. What's the problem? It's rainy season. You know, sometimes people, human beings are funny. Ah, it's rainy. Oh, rain. It's rainy season. Buy a raincoat. Buy a rain boot. Buy umbrellas. Just get on with life. It's rainy season for goodness sake. And it's been raining for the past 30 years you've been alive. It'll rain next year again. Get ready. Oh, the sun is shining too much. What do you want? <laughs> Don't crumble. You know, people say, inflation has gone high. Oh, things are not expensive. And I'm like, what do you expect? Things ne- will never get cheaper. I mean, just read history. Your father will tell you, things are high. We never bought bread. Uh, we were buying bread at one peso a day. Okay, that's your time. Bread now. Our children might buy bread for 1,000 Ghana cities. I mean, it's just normal. That's the world. The world is not designed to get better. Gross darkness shall cover the earth. It says, but light will arise upon you. So what you find out is how to survive in the midst of a, of a, of a worse economy. Is it sometimes Christians put so much hope in the government as if they don't read scriptures? Let me tell you the truth. There's no government in this world that will make their people happy. Even people, you know, even people in the U.S. are complaining about their president. And I know you, you want to go to U.S. Are you following what I'm saying? Americans are saying, well, I'm not American, but they're saying, oh, this is the worst government we've had. In the UK, people are complaining that the cost of filling their gas has gone up. Everybody's complaining, but you are just saying, let me just go. Don't worry. I know you are complaining because you don't want us to come. Let us come. We want to still complain. (laughs) But let me tell you the truth. There's nowhere in the world where it's getting easier. Because the scripture says everything in this world will be shaken. And only that which cannot be shaken will remain. Verse 15 says, So that you will prove yourself to be blameless and innocent children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you appear as light in the world. This is interesting. He says one of the ways we show ourselves as sons of God is to do things without grumbling. It's interesting that just by doing things without grumbling and murmuring, you show yourself as a son of God. It's interesting. Last scripture, First Peter chapter 2. 
First Peter chapter 2. Are you getting blessed? Is there, is there enough in this message for you to work on? Some of you need to stop grumbling. <laughs> you know, I usually tell people something, which is very funny. You know, you know, sometimes people grumble about food a lot. You know, there are some people you, 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 you don't enjoy eating with them because they always find something wrong. Um, there's no salt in this food. Uh, the pepper is not. Listen, just eat. <laughs> just, can you just eat and let's move on? If it's your house, go and get pepper and add. Don't grumble. Add it. Do you understand? I'm not saying you cannot express. Do you get what I'm saying? But it, you, just, just be happy. Just be happy. You know, sometimes I finish it and my wife said, is the food sweet? I said, I'm done. <laughs> she says, but this was missing. I don't know. Because I'm eating for strength. So I can get the job done. Don't take things too serious. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, it might look like, yeah, this is not very deep. It's not. That's why you're drowning. It's not the deep stuff. It's about understanding how the kingdom reflects. Look at what Second Peter, Second Peter, First Peter two eleven says, eleven to twelve, beloved. I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lust, which weighs war against the soul. What are some of the th- these things about fleshly lust like? I mean, works of the flesh. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of your visitation. Huh? The word in the, um, in the King James is conversation, but actually your lifestyle. It says, keep it honest. Keep, keep your attitude right. Strong work ethics with a strong, consistent prayer life will produce kingdom impact. Two things I want you to work on from this message. If you have the new, new Living Translation, you can put it, First Peter 2, 12. Two things I want you to work on in this message. Go back and develop a strong intercessory life. See, that your job where you're working. Pray for everybody there. Pray for your boss. Pray for your co-workers. Not just praying for promotion. Pray that the will of God and the kingdom of God will be birthed. Pray for your nation. Pray for the greater purposes of God. And number two, set an excellent standard for yourself. Now, we live in our ministry complex, alright? So, in our ministry complex, that's where our house is, that's where our church is. So, a church to the house is just maybe, it's not even up to two minutes walk. But you know, I still resume on time. I still get to the office 8.30 on Monday, 9 o'clock. And I still work. I could say, oh, I'm the pastor. Oh, it's not far. Oh, I go, no, I still work. I have a strong work ethic. Because I'm not now, I'm not reporting to anybody. I'm the lead pastor of our church. So nobody can tell me why I came late. See, but that's not kingdom. Because even if nobody on the earth can tell me why I came late, God can be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God 
when he judges the world. You see how your behavior among your neighbor translates to them giving honor to God. And I'll tell you, how do you know a good pastor? Go and ask his neighbor. Not his wife. His wife might cover him. But ask his neighbor. How do you know a good church member? Ask the neighbors. That's why some of us can't bring our, church, our, our, our neighbors to church. We, we can't even invite them. We cannot invite them because you quarrel with everybody. You would sweep front of your house and leave the rest. Quarrel with the landlord. Quarrel over water bill. Quarrel over everything. Some of the guys, you can't invite the ladies in your streets to church. In fact, when you're coming to church, you just drive past and see if anybody's looking at you. Then you just enter. Say, where are you coming from? Oh, there's this shopping mall. I have something we just do there. Thank God. No. Honorable behavior. And can, can I tell you something? Can you invite your boss to a church? You have a program. Can you boldly and say, listen, I'd like to invite you to church. And your boss will say, you. <laughs> you. Church. <laughs> and we laugh. See, if you cannot, then something needs to be wrong. I'm talking about people who are atheists and the rest, but just the regular people. Do you have enough character to say, you invite them and they say, oh, I'd like to come to your church. See, that's how the kingdom will be manifested. It's not going to be God just descending and, you know, fire like Star Wars, you know, and just riding on horse and like, we, you know, all the apostles like Apostle Francis are doing protocol for Jesus and say, hey, clear the way, Jesus is here, clear the way, Jesus is here. That's not how it's going to be. It's going to be in these interactions people will start giving glory to God. We know you've been blessed by this telecast. To become a partner, please call plus 234-805-888-7575. Pastor Maxwell's messages are available in over a dozen books and a thousand audio and video formats. To purchase this title and other titles by Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, please call plus 234-805-888-7575 or send us an email, office at pastormax.ng. Also available are free downloads from www.thepastormax.ng. God bless you.